It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Cincinnati Reds' 11-game winning streak tells me one thing. They are serious playoff contenders. If you don't agree, you're not paying attention. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds. Thanks for making Locked On Reds your first listen of the day. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and we are free and available on all podcasting platforms because we are your team every day. I'm your host, Stephen Offenbaker. I'm back. I'm alongside Jeff Carr, where we are supposed to be, and we are live. We're also diehard baseball fans. We have a passion for the Cincinnati Reds. We have taken our love of the game, our passion for baseball, and we have turned that passion into information for you. We want to thank those of you who listen every day. If you're an everydayer, thank you so much. We love hearing from you in the comments. Tell us how long you've been a Reds fan. Tell us what you think about this team. Talk to baseball with us, because we love talking baseball with you on today's show we are going to talk about this amazing 11 game winning streak we're going to talk about this electric exciting cincinnati reds team we're going to be talking about if the reds can keep this up or will the reds keep this up and we're going to catch up on all the things i've missed jeff because i have been dying to talk reds baseball jeff will tell you all that i have been blowing him up every day whining that i could not get away from the emergency room and come talk Reds baseball with you all. So let's get right to it, Jeff. 
Yes, absolutely, Steve, because when it comes to this winning streak, I think we all understand the talent that has really got it, got it moving and gotten it going. But everyone's waiting because we're all Cincinnati sports fans here. Everybody's waiting for the other shoe to drop. Bengals fans are still waiting for the other shoe to drop. There's something about our fair city that we don't seem to trust success when it comes to sports teams. Well, I'm going to tell you what here, Steve, the, the other shoe dropping on this is simply going to be whenever this winning streak ends, it's not something that's going to go away. This team is talented. This team is full of so many guys who not only have the physical gifts, but also the mental gifts, the, the way that they approach the game is what makes this so sustainable. And there's a clip that I played the other day, and I want to play it again on something that TJ Friedel said about this winning streak that I think has just led me to believe that this team is here to stay. And while we can talk about some holes that need filling and whether they're going to fill it with guys coming back from injury or whether they're going to trade for guys to fill those spots. There is one thing that this Reds team has in spades that is going to carry it through the rest of this season and for the foreseeable future. Yeah, it's just playing the same brand of baseball we've been playing. And it's not like, okay, guys, like, you know, you go down early. We've gone down early plenty of games. And no matter what, we're going to find a way to scratch and claw back to make it a game, no matter what it is, no matter what the streak's at. So just playing that brand of baseball, no one's looking at the streak and being like, all right, like we don't want to lose the streak. No, it's just playing our brand of baseball. And at the end of nine innings, we'll look up at the scoreboard and see where we're at. And, you know, it's just that mentality and the chemistry that this group has from the pitching staff to the bullpen to the, to the, uh, you know, the position players, like all the way through. That's the mindset that we have. And that's the brand of baseball that we're going to continue playing. You know what's important about that, Jeff? Uh, let's focus in on that for just a minute because I think what we get lost in sometimes is the NFL mentality. And we see this when we talk about the draft. Uh, I think we see this now that we're talking about a win streak. There has never in the history of baseball been an undefeated baseball team. Uh, teams are going to lose games. Whereas in football, you have teams that are actually striving for that that undefeated season that 1972 dolphins miracle run right i mean everybody's right. trying to duplicate that it's not realistic in baseball to expect that a team's going to continue to go out on a streak like that and win every single time it, it, it's it's nice to have the expectation of we can win every single time but don't get lost in the winning streak because that's really not what what is important what's really important is the winning of the series uh, winning each series that you go out taking two of three taking three of four you can afford to lose a game in a series sometimes you can afford to lose two if you're going in a four game set and split it two two that's fine it's about continuing that momentum of winning series and the reds are doing that and we you know there's a big series coming up and I, to tell you the truth jeff there's a buzzsaw coming as far as the schedule and uh, yeah. we're going to get into that a lot as we talk about this because if you're if you're jumping onto this exciting role and expecting that the Reds are going to win every time and then you're going to jump right back off the wagon the first time they lose well you are truly missing out this team's not going to win every game but they're going to be in every game and what TJ Friedel was saying there I think it is an excellent reminder that we as fans need to have that same mindset yeah, and the other thing about what he said also leads me to believe that when this streak officially does end and, and when they get to a point that maybe they've lost two in a row or three in a row or something like that, it's not going to compound. 
they no longer have the kind of guys on this team that feel like they have to go out and hit a bases empty grand slam, or they don't have the pitchers that go out and feel like they have to toss an immaculate inning every time out. They know that they can trust the guys next to him. And I, I talked about that cliche the other day on the, on, on the show that, you know, the sports cliche of next man up. And I know the guy next to me has got me and it is true throughout football, basketball, hockey, and now and, and, and baseball as well. If you understand that the guy behind you can do just as well as you can, then you're not going to worry if you strike out. You're not going to worry if you fail and you're at bat because you have the confidence in the rest of the guys on your team. And sure, we can talk about the talent. I mean, the Reds calling up Ellie De La Cruz marked a new era. We talked about this ad nauseum. We will talk about this for the longest time to come. But with Ellie De La Cruz, you also have guys like Matt McClain. You also have guys like Spencer Steer. You have guys like Jonathan India who pulled the sword from the stone at the FC Cincinnati game last night, Viking hat and all like these guys are a brotherhood and without sounding far too dramatically cliche, when it comes to what that means for on the field, that means that you see things like whenever Will Benson homered the other day and Ellie De La Cruz hugged him in the dugout. Like this is not a team of individuals that are trying to get to the mountaintop individually. They are all working together for one collective goal. And that more than anything, more than the talent, more than the coaching staff, more than the farm system and the guys coming up through it, that is what will lead this team to success from here on out. No, you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, looking at, looking at the formula and that's really what you're talking about, right? You're looking at the new formula. You're looking at the new, you know, the, the new vibe for everybody that was hating on my guy, Joey Votto for disrupting the vibe, which didn't <laughs> right. happen. I didn't get to talk about that either. I have a lot of pent up things to say, Jeffrey, but no, you're, you're talking about the vibe. You're talking about this energy. You're, you're talking about all of these young brash players. I, I think Joey Votto, I forget which interview it was that he was doing, but uh, it wasn't the Dan Patrick one, but it was another one where he said, the SVP one, the SVP one where yeah. he said, they don't care. They're coming for you. Watch out. You know what I mean? That was paraphrasing. I can't remember the exact quote, but I know it was that they don't care and they're coming for you. And man, what a mentality for a Cincinnati Reds baseball team. Yeah, and, and, and we talk about this, and we're going to dive into this Brave series at some point during today's show. Uh, and, and thank you, everyone, who is joining us right now in the comments section. Uh, make sure you get your questions, your thoughts in, because we're having a lot of fun talking some Reds here with you on this off-day live show. Uh, uh, but we're going to get into this Brave series here soon. I'm not even worried about it. The Braves are coming in with their own winning streak. The Braves are coming in with their own amazing June. I don't care the reds have a very good shot of winning this series by the way spencer strider was supposed to start on sunday he got scratched he's not going to be starting in this series i i just i look at so many different things about how things stack up for this baseball team and i love it i mean the pirates are on a losing streak the brewers lost last night the reds are now a game and a half they actually have a cushion the reds are in first place in the division with a cushion not only did the first place part not occur to me to happen this season, but with a cushion, oh boy, you got to love that. And there's just so much to get into to how the Reds got to this point, which we will get into next. But I, I am so happy, Stephen. I know you are too. Oh, I, I, I'm more stoked than I can even get it. I, I, you know, Jeff, 
because we're live and we can just get away with it a little bit, uh, I'm going to derail our segment for just a second because we have been, we've been bashed over the head for being so optimistic and yep. being, and being the guys that don't necessarily, I mean, we've always called out the bad things when we saw the bad things, but we've always held out hope that we would get to this place, yep. that this team and, and how many people laughed at you and I, when we were walking around Reds Fest last year, talking about this team, having the ability to put it together in such a way that they could stumble into playoff contention. Now, whether that was the final wild card spot, I don't know that I would have gone as far as to say winning the division, but we, you and I, we had right. these conversations. People laughed at us. Look at us now. Do you ever think we'd be here, Jeff? Mm, look at us. Huh? Who'd have thought? Who'd have thought? I, I love it, Steve. We're going to continue that conversation and what the Reds look like as we head into the Brave series coming up next. Before we talk about that, though, I want to tell you about bird dogs. That's the wrong thing. Bird dogs. There we go. They are the most comfortable pair of shorts that you will ever wear. Trust me. Warm to the ballpark for the finale on Wednesday. It was a hot day. It was, you know, we were out in the sun up in the bow tie bar. Didn't care. Bird dogs kept me nice and cool, nice and comfy, and I look good doing it too. So check yourself out some bird dogs at birddogs.com slash lockdown MLB. And if you go to that URL, you will get a free Yeti style tumbler with any purchase. That's birddogs.com slash lockdown MLB. Be comfortable, be stylish, and be awesome with some bird dogs. Steve, um, by the way, you can uh, catch every pitch of the Reds Hometown Broadcast on SiriusXM. Just download the SXM app and search the word Reds. And thanks, as always, for making Lockdown Reds your first listen every day. We appreciate all of our everydayers out there, whether you're in the chat or whether you are just watching and, and, and keeping quiet. Uh, Hunter Strickland's online. One. No, he's not. I blocked that number. Uh, but we are, uh, we are excited to have you along for this live show. And, and, and Steve Hunter Strickland reminds me because I, I, I think there's been a lot said and we, we've, we talked about this, even going back to last year, how the reds were building this up, how Nick crawl was building this team and getting them ready for their next window. Little did we know the window opened this year, but the way that this team was set up is not something that a lot of people really wanted to give him credit for. They just thought he was tearing it down so that the Reds didn't have to pay for anybody. And then well, voila, now they're good. It's because they've built up the farm system. They built up the development system throughout their uh, entire organization. And now we are seeing the fruits of that labor. You know, for me, Jeff, it was never, I never really doubted Nick crawl's plan. Uh, if, if we go back and, and look at when we were actually talking about, the plan when Nick crawl mm -hmm. basically put it out there and it was evident that we were tra trading away everyone and, and what he was going to do. I never had any doubt that that could work. We've seen it work. We've seen it work in Tampa. We've seen it work to some extent in Cleveland. We've seen it work now a little bit in Baltimore, but the, the question that you and I had, the doubts that you and I had all centered around the Castellini family. It centered around That's Bob cool. and it centered around Phil. Were Bob and Phil going to check their egos, where they're going to check their we know better than everyone attitude and let the baseball people baseball? Well, it turns out that while Phil can't keep his mouth shut generally with a microphone in front of him from saying ridiculous things or showing ridiculous PowerPoints, what he can do is let Nick crawl baseball. And right. that's the difference here. That's why all of a sudden 
the plan and you know we love it when a plan comes together that's why this plan has come together the Castellini family set a budget they said here's your money now you go build a team and look at the team that he built was it painful absolutely was it painful to see Luis Castillo traded away was it painful to see Sonny Gray traded away was it painful at the time to see Tyler Malley go yes it was did it hurt us when Jesse Winker and Eugenio Suarez got packaged off to Seattle. Yeah, we were all upset, but we could see the bigger picture if we were able to believe that the Castellinis would get out of the way. They have. The plan has worked. There is amazing talent both right now at the major league level and coming up. Listen, we still haven't seen CES. No, LV Marte is still coming. Connor Phillips is still coming. Chase Petty is finally putting it together in Dayton. He is still coming. There's so much talent still on the way. We've only scratched the surface of just how electrifying, just how exciting this team is going to be. And you can't, you can't celebrate that. You can't be excited about that. You can't embrace that without also saying, you know what, Nick Craw? Good job. Yeah. Excellent work. Excellent work. And you mentioned Phil. Uh, I saw that Taylor Nemo tweeted out the other day that she talked to him and he said words and he didn't put his foot in the mouth. So there we go. The organization continues to just take what? dub after dub after dub. Like, I, don't get me wrong. That doesn't give him credit for what, or, you know, doesn't forgive him for what he's said in the past, but all he can do is be better from this point on looking forward for this team. The interesting part about it is the way that Nick crawl has built it from within and with all of these guys that are coming up through the minor leagues and have multiple years of control, sometimes five, sometimes six, depending on who you're looking at is that they enter this trade deadline. Yes, they're buyers, but they don't have to be like shop till you drop buyers. They don't have to be the guys that go into the store with, you know, wads of cash and just start handing out prospects left and right for rental players to come back in. Nick crawl can be super judicious with how he builds this roster through the trade deadline. And as we get into next off season, are there areas that he needs to address? Yes. And I don't know that I'm rooting for the reds to stand pat, but if the Reds stand pat, I do not think it is near as detrimental as in years past. Like we look back on 2021 and they're like, well, we really need bullpen help. We really need to go trade for bullpen help. And maybe they stooped a little bit to get Michael Givens and to get um, Archie Bradley and trades like that. But they don't have to do that this year. Nick Kroll can wait for the best offer to appear. And then all of a sudden, boom, like, you know, it's, like the whole Pokemon thing, a, a wild best offer has appeared, and uh, Nick Crawl's going to find the easiest Pokeball to throw at it, and is, he's going to bring Pokemon it in. Pokemon what we're doing today? Really? I finally moved you <laughs> off of Star Wars references, and I get Pokemon? We're getting all the references in here, man. I just got off the radio talking about Star Wars. <laughs> what, what the hell happened while I was gone? How did we get from Star Wars to Pokemon? Oh, we're all over the place on this show, man. You know that. Um, <laughs> um I, I, I believe that the talent that is coming off the injured list and you talk about Connor Phillips, Connor Phillips has done the one thing. What do we say about Ellie De La Cruz this year? He needs to stop striking out so much. He did that. What do we say about Connor Phillips coming in this year? He needs to stop walking people so much. Steve, his season walk rate is at 8%. Let's go. Think, he's doing it. He's ready. Yeah. I think he's ready. I, I, I would be shocked if we don't see him, uh, you know, He's got probably to get July, maybe not yeah. soon. He, he's got he's got to get promoted in the next week or two, I think. And mm-hmm. then, you know, do we see him before the all star break? I think there's a solid chance we see him before the all star break at this point. 
Yeah, no, I agree. And he's got the stuff for it. So he could be a key piece that the Reds add. The Reds have some interesting dudes who could be like bullpen arms coming up through the system. I mean, we could see uh, Captain Kirk online too. I'll, I'll answer that call. Um, but when it comes to like, you know, Levi Stout getting back healthy, we could see him coming out of the bullpen. Uh, we could see, you know, Eduardo Salazar. I kind of liked some of the talent he's shown in his very small stint in the major leagues. He's still at triple a, uh, what does Connor Phillips bring to the table? What does a guy like Leon Richardson or, or Lion Richardson? I think I always pronounce that wrong. What does a guy like Lion Richardson have for this major league ball club? Because he could be up by the end of the season and not to mention all the injured list. TJ Antone's throwing off a mound right now. We did get an update on that. He posted a video on his Instagram, TJ Antone throwing off a mound. That means a rehab stint has got to be coming here soon. Now, granted, he's got to ramp up. It's going to be more of an extended spring training rehab stint, but could we see him in August around the same time that we get Nick Lodolo back? This team's got a lot of built-in reinforcements, that I don't think in years past, whenever we heard that from the front office, when they said, well, so-and-so is going to come off the injured list and we're going to be okay. And we're like, yeah, sure, Jan, that's really going to happen. I kind of buy into that this year, don't you? Oh, I, I do. I do. And, you know, Jeff, we've covered the winning streak. We've covered kind of how we got here. We've talked about the plan. We've talked about the implementation of it. We've talked about who we got and we've talked about what they've been doing. I think coming up here in just a minute, it's time to talk about where we're going and how we're going to get there because I think that this is only the beginning of where this Cincinnati Reds team is going. So we're going to talk about that and my favorite part of the show. We're taking questions. We're taking comments from you all watching live on this live bonus edition of Locked on Reds. We've got all that coming up right after this. Don't forget, you can follow every pitch of the Reds' hometown broadcast on SiriusXM. Just download the SXM app and search the word Reds. Thank you so much for viewing, listening, following Locked on Reds. We are all over the place. You can get us on every podcasting platform. You can get us right here on YouTube. Click subscribe. Click the notification bell. Also, make sure you follow us on Twitter because we talk baseball between shows. You can follow me at S. Offenbaker. For YouTube folks, it's right there on the screen. You can follow Jeff at Jeff Carr. That's Jeff with three Fs. You can follow the show at Locked on Reds. And Jeff, you're doing this subtext thing. Yes, you can check out subtext if you uh, text the words I'm into 513-597-0944. You can join subtext. You get a direct line to me, and I've been trying to send out some insight, uh, some some other statistics, and and, and trying to keep people apprised of all of the different uh, content that's out there behind paywalls. I know that, you know, name a... Name a journalism source these days. They're behind a paywall. I try my best to subscribe to all of them and keep up with the Reds, and I'll keep you in the know as well. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then we're also uh, got the Discord server going. If you want to talk baseball yes. with us on Discord, I'm in and out of there. Jeff's in and out of there all the time. Uh, Link the link that is in the description. So, all right, Jeff, let's get back into this. The chat is blowing up. Uh, we've got tons of people in there talking baseball. I love it. Uh, let's talk a little bit about where this team is going and what we think is realistic for them to do, what or, or what they should do, because 
it's easy right now to look at this team and say, we got to go get a starting pitcher. We got to put a package together and go get a starting pitcher. I don't like the idea at all of trading from a place of desperation. I know the rotation is nicked. But speaking of Nick, you said just a minute ago, there's help coming in the form of Nick Lodolo a little bit later. That's like going out and trading for a bona fide ace already. Right. Uh, Connor Phillips probably finds his way into this rotation, uh, like we said, somewhere prior to the all-star break. That is another move that they make without having to make a move. Uh, do they need to go out and get somebody? Maybe, but it has to be the right deal. Uh, mm -hmm. I know you've been pitching this Lance Lynn thing for the last few days, and I saw the package that you proposed by combining Nick Senzel with who? Who was that? With uh, Reese Hines. With Reese Hines. So, you know, Reese Hines has had a nice little tear of late. I think he hit six home runs in five games, six home runs in four games, player of the week down at double A Chattanooga. But uh, by and large, he hasn't really been able to put a whole season together. I don't think that's a tremendous loss. Now, could that blow up to be one of those things of him being a guy that got away? It could, but the Reds need some help now. So I would not be opposed to a deal like that. A deal for a spare part, which is Nick Senzel. He's more and more and more becoming a spare part. Yes. Uh, You've got Reese Hines, who hasn't really been able to put it all together. And now there's a lot of guys above him in the organizational depth chart. They're going to block him from doing very much. I don't mind a package like that to go out and get a starting pitcher that would be a one-year rental. We're not looking to bring in a player that has multi-years of team control that's making $50 million. The Reds aren't going to do that. But if you can go get a Lance Lynn type of pitcher, someone that's having a little bit of a down year, but when you look at their body of work for, say, the last two, three seasons, you know, they have a sub four ERA and have shown they can get guys out. That's the deal the Reds should be looking for right now. Yeah, we're first place. We yeah. want to, we're looking to win. That's, that's our goal. So uh, I, I think we, you know, we want to do whatever we can for this team. I think we just need to continue to play well and, and see what's out there. Uh, I, I'm not sure there's there's a there, there obviously hasn't been a good match at this point, so um, I don't see anything on the horizon. But you, you never know, and you're just gonna keep working at it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that you know we, we've had some starters go down. I think that you know it'll be nice to get some of those guys back over the next few weeks. But I think that uh, it, it's something. I think we're just gonna look at any avenue to, to improve our club. I believe that he is looking. I believe that he is paying attention to who's available out on the market and, and what's going on. I will say this right now, the difficulty with the Reds making a deal like now or in the next week or so is there are so many teams that fancy themselves contenders still. That's why I've looked at like the White Sox or the Royals or the Tigers, basically the AL Central teams, not named Guardians or Twins. And then, um, you know, a couple of other teams, but for the most part, uh, most teams fancy themselves contenders, which also means the demand is much higher for these players. So I'm sure like, and I know a Chapman is a name that has been thrown about quite a bit with the reds, possibly going out and getting him. I'm sure the Royals are getting multiple calls a day from different teams looking for him, because what is the one thing that moves so fast at the deadline? Left-handed relief pitchers. That's exactly what a Chapman is. And I don't think that it's something that the Reds will just waltz in there and be the only ones bidding. They're going to probably have to be in a bidding war, and I don't think Nick Crawl wants to be in a bidding war for anyone. I think the moment he finds out he is bidding against someone else, he's probably just going to back out of it because there's not a reality where the Reds have to be, you know, the winners of a bidding war to get better. And, and I think that Lance Land may also be a guy that people are bidding on because, look, the numbers that everyone's going to look at right now is Jeff, you're talking about a dude with a six and a half ERA 
First of all, his ex-fip, which is the best indicator of what an ERA should be, is going to be three point. His ex-fip right now is three point eight five. His BABIP batting average on balls in play against him is three forty two. And league average is around 290. So he is getting very unlucky. His homer to fly ball ratio is way off the charts. There's a lot of things that point to Lance Lynn being a much better pitcher in the second half of this season. The other part with him is injury concern. He's He had an injury last season, so I don't necessarily know if he's an injury-prone guy. But with all of that being said, he's a guy that I think the Reds really could make a deal that's not going to hurt them at all. And, of course, shout-out to friend of the podcast, Lindsey Crosby, over at Locked on MLB Prospects. He said, oh, yes, sure, the Reds have too many infielders, so trade an outfielder for him. That's a good idea. I'm like, well, <laughs> I mean... Touche. But also, we're talking about some guys that I, I don't necessarily think are part of the Reds' future in Senzel and Hines. You know, just like I said, it was important to remain realistic about the winning streak and remain realistic about what it means to be a winning baseball team. It's also important to be realistic when we're talking about these trades, Jeff, because the Reds are going to need pitching. And what is the what's the number one commodity at the trade deadline that everybody's always after? It's pitching. So if you're a team with pitching to sell, it's in your best interest to sit back, wait a little bit, make time about to run out and then take the best deal that you can get. If you're sitting on a world Chapman right now, you're not trading him today unless someone comes with an offer that knocks your socks off. And that's right. not what we want the reds to do. That offer looks like trading CES. That's what a knock your socks offer is. We're not trading CES to go out and get a pitcher. It is not happening. The reds are not doing it. So let's, let's, let's not even pretend that that's a possibility. And an interesting note on him, I was talking with our Guardians guy today off air, uh, Jeff Ellis, and he had mentioned, he's like, there was a lot of people in our chat saying the Reds might be interested in Shane Bieber. And he's like, yeah, we got to go get CES. And I'm like, we're not interested in that. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's important to be realistic. There's going to be some names out there that aren't necessarily top tier guys, but it doesn't have to be a top tier guy. You're looking for a rental and, and not even in the standard definition of a rental because you're looking for a rental to get you through July and into August because this Reds rotation, once everyone's back and healthy, August, September, I mean, think about this for a second. When everyone's healthy, and we're assuming, based on what the Reds are telling us, God help us, that everybody can be back and healthy in near the end of August. Yeah. That rotation goes something like Green, Lodolo, Ashcraft, Phillips, Abbott. Think about that. Green, Lodolo, Ashcraft, Phillips, Abbott. That is a hell of a rotation, Jeff. With Williamson and Lively as depth, and you didn't have to trade anybody to get any of them. Plus, you're talking about a bullpen with Diaz, Sims, Farmer, and Jabot that then adds Antone, Santian, and Rivar San Martin, and, 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 and I forgot Alex Young as well. So that's your nine guys right there. You have two lefties. You have, which I can't remember if Rivar San Martin, now that I mention his name, I think he might actually be out for the season. But still, you're, you're getting back some dudes that are going to be fresh and ready to go that, yeah, I'm not looking for TJ Antone to come back and be the closer right away, but can he come back and be nails in the middle of the bullpen? Absolutely, I think that is the case. So I, I am very intrigued at the talent that the reds already have that they can just be patient and wait for 
All right, Jeff, let's do this. Uh, the comment section is blowing up. Let's get into the questions and the comments. I know that normally uh, in a, on a normal live show, I am scrolling the comments and going and finding things for us to talk about. But I'm going to ask for a little bit of a role reversal here, Jeff. I want for you to uh, manage the comments, if you don't mind, uh, while he's getting set up over there. Uh, Inside baseball for everybody watching. Steve got a new computer, a new camera. Everything's great. Nothing is set up over here. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm switching from PC to Mac. I'm a disaster. So uh, I'm just happy I was able to turn this thing on today. No, I I, I definitely agree. It's good to have you back. Um, let's see here. What do we got? This one's an interesting one because I've seen a couple of people say, boy, it'd be nice to have Johnny Cueto. It's on the 60-day injured list right now, so if the Reds had signed him and then that still had happened, it would it, it would be annoying. Let's see. Oh, you know, the, the thing with uh, coulda, woulda, shoulda is, right, would he have still been hurt if he had been in Cincinnati? Uh, would he have found his way onto the 60-day DL? We don't know, but uh, I would have definitely liked to have seen Johnny Coito around. Uh, when we were talking about that, it was uh, not inside the possibility of us uh, competing to win the division. So oh, we are, let's see here. Yeah. They're going by fast. Jeff, you're just going to have to grab one and go because they're flying. Ooh, I like this one. Abbott might be another strider. He's no longer a streamer. People are locking him down on fantasy teams. There's a lot of interesting dudes and our locked on fantasy baseball show does a really great job of covering the guys. And they've been saying for a while to stash CES and get ready for him to get uh, popped up. But when it comes to uh, the reds and your fantasy team in years past, it would be a little bit of a Homer move to go out and get some reds uh, this year. It's good baseball. Good, good sense to go out and get them. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's, it's been nice that, you know, it's not always the case, but everybody that's come up has contributed in some meaningful way. And that doesn't always happen. And you, you go to look for guys to just have a easy transition into major league baseball. And not only have these guys had easy transitions into major league baseball, but we've seen Matt McClain come up and become the player of the week. Almost immediately. We've seen Abbott come up and, his first three starts, not allow a run. We've seen Ellie De La Cruz come up and in his first couple starts uh, show just what an absolute disruption he can be when he's in the game. Uh, these aren't normal for a, a baseball team. This is not normal. It's not normal to, with all of that going on, having a guy named Spencer Steer that's been in the rookie of the year conversation from day one. So uh, this has been an exciting time to follow this team. Absolutely, for sure. I like this question. This comes from our friend Scott. Over under four and a half losses for the Reds between now and the all-star break. I do think it's the over. Uh, unfortunately, this is something that I hate to take the over on, but we're going to come into a little bit of a stretch where I think the Reds start playing a little bit more 500 baseball. It's still going to be good baseball. We're not going to be getting run over. Like remember early on in the season, whenever they won the first game against the Rays and we're like, is this team serious? And then they lost the next two games, 17 to nothing by a total score. I don't think we're going to see that anymore because I just don't think the the Reds are going to be out of it and just get ran over. But at the same time, they're running into a really tough part of the schedule. Like looking forward, the only non-playoff contender, like the only team that doesn't have playoff aspirations for the next month and like two weeks is uh, Washington. And they play four games against Washington. 
They play nine games against the Brewers. They have a huge opportunity in the month of July with nine games against the Brewers. They could really put them out if they they you know take six out of six out of that nine game stretch there. But they've got lots and lots of games against some really. Uh, big contenders. I mean, I think six against Arizona in the next six weeks, and they've got um, San Diego in the next six weeks as well. And San Diego fancies themselves playoff contenders, and I know that they're under five hundred right now, but you better believe that they're going to be charging hard here and, and, and probably pretty soon. You know, in a month where they're going to play, as you say, the Brewers a bunch, but they're also playing the Dodgers, the Padres, yep. they're playing the Diamondbacks, they're playing the Braves. Uh, it's it's not it's not going to be a month of 10, 12 game winning streaks. And uh, for tomorrow's regular show, folks, in your podcast feed, Jeff and I are going to really spend some time talking about this upcoming Atlanta series. But just to look at the month as a whole, this is where you start to get into what I was talking about earlier in the show, where it's it's where you want to win series. You want to you know, not focus in on trying to sweep everyone. You also there are going to be times where not getting swept is a victory. You know, you don't want to get swept by the Dodgers. And I know what they did to the Dodgers at Great American Ballpark, but, you know, that was that's an outlier. That's not the norm of playing the Dodgers. Uh, don't expect to sweep the Braves. Can they take two of three from the Braves? Yeah, they can take two of three from the Braves. It can happen. Uh, but don't go into that series thinking that this winning streak is going to maintain and they're going to come out of it with a winning streak of 14. What are they, 11, 12, 13, 14? Yeah, they're not going to get to 14 in this series. Out of the franchise record if they do. Correct. We're, we'll be talking about that on tomorrow's show a little bit. But now's the time to start being realistic about the fact that we have a potential division winning team and set reasonable expectations for how they need to perform between now and October. No, this team absolutely can win the division. And I find it interesting because we did not cover this whenever we were talking about potential moves coming up, but Joseph has a question that we we've kind of touched on a little bit here. And I, I kind of think the clock is ticking on the three catcher plan, but I don't know, like it's gotta be soon, right? The clock's not ticking. It's all the alarm has already gone off, and David Belton like his third <laughs> snooze right now. Um, yeah. You know, I I get they don't want to cut Kurt Casale. I understand that they don't want to cut Kurt Casale, but you can't tell me that right now, today, this team isn't better by cutting Kurt Casale and calling up CES. You can't tell me. That the team is not better, and that that's really the move, right, Jeff? I mean, am I wrong that that's the no, move? No, I. I that's what's going to bring him up. Cause I I've been saying for a little while, I thought maybe trading Newman or trading Myers would be the move that got CES up here. But of course now Myers no longer part of the team and Newman, while he might be traded, the reds may actually be reconsidering that now because he's a pretty good bench bat to have, especially against left-handed pitchers. And if you fancy yourself a buyer at the trade deadline, buyers don't trade Kevin Newman buyers trade for Kevin Newman. So that might, that might flip us a little bit. And and yes, do I think that he has given us good performances? Absolutely. I don't think that he should be somebody that gets as many starts as he does, but I understand why he plays so much against left-handed pitching because he just absolutely mashes it. Jared on vinyl, I saw this scrolling by and I grabbed it, Jeff, says he would rather send Senzel down than cut Kurt Casale. I, I just, I don't under, I don't, 
know what the benefit of keeping a third catcher around is at this point when they're not using Tyler Stevenson the way that they said they were going to. It only made sense if Tyler Stevenson was playing first base and DH and in the lineup six or seven days a week. That's not really been the case. I don't think they're going back to that, especially now that Joey Votto's back taking up a lot of those first base reps slash DH time. So I, I listen, I don't want, I don't want to cut. Kurt Casale. I'm not saying that he's been terrible and they should cut him. I acknowledge what he's done as far as managing this young pitching staff. I acknowledge what he's uh, his impact, not only on the pitching staff, but the other catchers has been. But at some point in time, you have to weigh what is the best move the team can make. Uh, CES coming up for Nixon Zell. Okay. I mean, you know, they have been playing CES in the outfield. It's not gone horrible. Uh, that's something that Jeff, you and I have both been advocating for everybody from now on needs yeah. to be able to play at least two positions. So, okay. It can make sense, but I don't know that you benefit more by keeping Kurt Casale on the roster instead of Nixon Zell because Nixon Zell can go in there against left-handed pitching and play infield. He can play outfield. He can do a lot of things. Whereas Kurt Casale yeah, he can call a decent game and help coach the young pitchers a little bit. But if you're in a bind in the seventh inning, that's not the guy you want to pinch hit with. Right. Kurt Casale, you don't look down the bench and go, you know what? We've got Kurt Casale. We're going to get him. You know, that's, that's not a mindset that they're going to have. So in the grand scheme of things, I just, I can't, I just can't with it. it it's got to be, you get rid of the three catcher plan and you bring up CES. Wait, and <clears throat> I speak. Great question from Marcus guys. Kidwell here. Yeah, I know. Um, he says he's an everydayer. Thank you, by the way, Marcus. Thanks for being an everydayer. What's the highest level prospect you see the Reds trading, if any, at the deadline? This has been something that I've said before, and just to kind of lead off the answer to this one, I don't think they're trading anybody in the top fifteen. Like if they trade anybody in the top 15, that's Nick crawl really saying he thinks they could win this thing right now. And I think that that would mean they are acquiring a Shane Bieber type guy or a guy with multiple years of control. I've even mentioned maybe Eduardo Rodriguez from the tigers, although he has a, you know, about 50 million left over the next three years. And so it was right there in the area that we're like, I don't think the reds are going to get that type of dude, but I think that it's got to be the, and, and, I, I only mean this in the sense of the player and the performance and the target that the Reds were actually going for whenever they made this trade, but a guy like Trevor Bauer, right? When they acquired him, it was about the year that he got him and the next year. Like, that's why they would trade a high-level prospect. I don't know, train it for Trevor Bauer now. But um, that's I don't see it being a very high-level prospect that we're going to know. Well, if the comment section wasn't blowing up before, it's going to be blowing up now. Nice work, Jeffrey. No, I, I hear what you're saying. We've talked about the one guy I'm willing to trade. That's Reese Hines. Nobody ranked higher than that. Nobody with more upside than that. That's as high as I would be willing to go. I, I, I think going out and getting any type of rental in any type of situation for this team, this team that you know wasn't built to be quite ready for prime time, but has suddenly found itself with a prime time slot. Uh, you know, you got to stick to the plan and trading anybody really higher than a guy that like Reese Hines, who still shows flashes, but hasn't really, you know, grabbed a hold of all of that potential and talent and done something with it. You know, I'm willing to make that move. Am I willing to trade Nick Senzel in the right deal? Yeah, because again, another guy that has shown us flashes, but hasn't quite been able to embrace all of that potential and talent and translate it 
get to the major league level. These are what we call change of scenery deals. And that's generally the type of player you're going to get back to. Lance Lynn, in our example earlier, is a kind of a change of scenery deal where he's having a down year. He may need, you know, a fresh set of eyes like in Derek Johnson. Right. Helping fix whatever it is that's wrong. Those are the kind of deals that I'm willing to even entertain the idea of uh, beyond that stay the course. And if it comes down to the end of the season and we were one pitcher short of a, a tremendous postseason run, it just makes me really excited for what they'll do next year when everybody's really ready and things were supposed to be ready. Uh, I'm not saying concede, but I am not by any shape of the imagination, Jeff, mortgaging anything this year to, to make the playoffs now. Following up on kind of what you said, like the possible target player, and we've talked about Aroldis Chapman being the former Red that the Reds could reunite with. What about this reunion? Michael Lorenzen. Do the Reds go after Michael Lorenzen? He is on an expiring contract, so he's not like a guy you'd have to pony up a little bit of extra prospect capital to pay for an extra year. And he is a bona fide starter now. Like you remember at the end of his tenure, he was saying he wanted to be a starter, but he'd been a reliever for multiple years. He's been a starter for multiple years now and is to the point that I think that he should be a starter the rest of his career. But again, that does go back to your point earlier that you made of whenever everyone's healthy on this team, how does Michael Lorenzen fit into the rotation? I mean, this if you get a Michael Lorenzen, you probably don't call up Connor Phillips, um, if not until like September when you have that extra roster spot. But I don't see them getting a Michael Lorenzen and saying, would we rather have Michael Lorenzen on the pitching staff or Andrew Abbott? Or would we rather have him on the pitching staff or Graham Ashcraft or, or you know, Baron Williams or whatever? Like maybe he could be a fifth starter there, but it's just you're really starting to get into the are is he that much better than Williamson or Phillips or Abbott? Well, listen, in his last 15 games, he has a whip of 1.13. He struck out 54 while only walking 18. That's 72 innings pitched, Jeff. Uh, you know, 4.0 ERA during that time for anyone that still really cares about that. Uh, Michael Lorenzen's having himself a decent year. Yeah. Is, is that a good fit? Probably. Um, the real question is this. If you go out and get a Michael Lorenzen and he pitches like that, well, maybe it does allow you to have – a, an extra arm around that you slide over to the bullpen. You know, teams do that in the playoffs. Guys that are normally starters shift into the bullpen because shorter series. So would that be a great pickup? Yeah, I think that would be a great pickup. But Michael Lorenzen would need to understand coming in that when the decision is made of who gets slid into the bullpen, it might be him because he has experience with it. So, uh, you know, but I, I would imagine, I would imagine playing in Detroit that, you would be willing to do that for a chance to go play in the postseason. I got an interesting question here from C Brown it says, do you guys, uh, do you guys see Gutierrez and Dunn um, as part of the future of this team? And honestly, it's, it's very interesting to say because Gutierrez, when he was a rookie, you obviously looked at him as a staple in the rotation. Then he got hurt and he's just been gone. And same with Justin Dunn. It's like he came here hurt. He got healthy, and then he re-injured the same thing that kept him out for a couple of years. Number one, I wonder how much more pitching Justin Dunn does, period. But even when Gutierrez comes back healthy, I think it's bullpen or bust for him. I don't think he's got a spot in the rotation anymore. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Uh, Vlad's best hope for pitching in the big leagues is, is in the 
is <laughs> in the bullpen. As far as Dunn goes, you know, I've been talking about this since I, I guess last season. I just, you know, I think they took a chance on what the upside for him would be if he could get healthy. The fact of the matter is he can't get healthy. And that happens with pitchers. Uh, I, I just, I think that he's one of those guys we put in the camp of we're counting on nothing from him. We're going to consider him out of the picture. Now, if something happens along the way and he suddenly gets healthy, uh, there's enough talent there that he could become part of the conversation again. But as of right now, he's not part of the conversation. No, I, I would agree. And, and, and look, I, I think that overall, it's very interesting to me that Justin Dunn, I mean, technically when they listed that trade, he was the second guy. And we kind of forget that he was part of the, the Winker Suarez deal because the two players that were most, you know, buzzworthy in the deal is Brandon Williamson and Connor Phillips being the player to name later. And then Jake Fraley, oh, by the way, is a major league ready outfielder who he's actually been pretty good uh, since the trade. I think that more so than we thought he would be, but Dunn just kind of didn't quite pan out. I don't think, um, I think this is an interesting question as well. And this is from an everyday and I see Greg a lot in the discord as well. Greg says, do you guys think they are protecting Stevenson's shoulder by keeping three catchers this long? And I, I know that the shoulder was part, but it was mostly a broken collarbone is what really the injury was that messed him up. I still think that ails him a little bit. I think that's why we haven't seen the power and if he really tries to sell out and pull the ball and really put some power behind that, that's why we're seeing so many ground balls. Like he needs to go back to pushing the ball the other way, hitting it to right field and, and things like that. But I, I don't know. What do you think about this? Because it just seems like they keep continuing to force this three catcher plan. It, it's a reasonable hypothesis. Let's, let's start there. And, and we've, we've seen some things recently within the last five years that would support what Greg is saying here, Jeff. Uh, we saw this with Jesse Winker and I know how things ultimately ended up with Jesse Winker, but there was a time period there where Jesse Winker's power suddenly went away. It was gone for a while and then it came back with a vengeance. And what we learned during that process was, is that when his power went away, he had hurt his shoulder. He came back from the shoulder injury and played with no power, had shoulder surgery, healed from that and suddenly the power was back so here we are with tyler stevenson a guy that we expected to have some power from that doesn't have any power has a shoulder injury it would not shock me if this upcoming offseason they do some kind of a cleanup some kind of a clean out some kind of a something with his shoulder some extra extended physical therapy something to rebound rebuild more strength in there and that we see his power return it could be a thing now, i know it was just his clavicle that was broken but that's what they told us was going on. Again, I have learned that I don't believe a whole lot of anything anymore that comes out from the team itself in regards to injuries. I think that, you know, in this day and age of, you know, players are the commodities. These are the thing people that they want to try and trade later. Uh, they're going to minimize everything. Everything is minimized. So was that injury worse than we were led to believe it very well could have been. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Joe Burrow should DH. Thoughts on that? Hey, he can hit the long ball, and we know that the we saw that. long ball. Yeah. So, you know, I, I mean, you want to talk about, do you remember, you probably don't remember because I'm older than you, but back in the 90s, Jeff, uh, Tom Selleck made a baseball movie called Mr. Baseball, I believe, and he mm. filmed a lot of that movie in Detroit with the Tigers, and uh, Tom Selleck 
the actor, you know, he is a big Tigers fan. He wore that hat famously in uh, his Magnum TV series. Uh, he was invited to t- Tigers spring training for a few weeks mm-hmm. uh, following the filming of that movie. And they put him in a spring training game against the Cincinnati Reds. It was Tom Selleck versus Tim Leana down in Plant City, Florida. Uh, Tom Selleck took Tim Leana about 400 feet down the left field line just foul before being struck out and it was going to be an all-time moment i say all that to say this let's bring joe burrow to spring training next year and give him some at bats in a game and see what happens just for the hell of it that'd be a lot of fun um that batting practice he did was impressive i mean he hit what was it was it four dingers that he hit Uh, and and not no and and they were no doubters they were not in the front row down left field line they were deep into the left field seats Let's see here. Scrolling through. See, it's a lot harder to find the comments than it looks, huh? (laughs) I find this interesting because he's going to be a free agent this year, uh, but he's pitched so well. I mean, you want to talk about a dude that is doing the the contract year thing. Like, Sonny Gray has been pitching absolutely fantastic for the Minnesota Twins. He's part of the reason that the Twins are doing any good at all. I'd be intrigued if the Reds look at him, but I don't think he's going to be high on their list. Zero percent chance. Zero. Not even not even a one percent chance that this is a thing. Sonny Gray is probably going to be the premier pitching piece on the market at the deadline. That's there's no way what he's going to cost. Absolutely no way that the Reds are even in there. Listen, you know, we talk about where. GMs will say, well, you know, we, we've been in discussion with the Reds for whatever. And what that means is somebody picked up the phone call and said, hey, are you going to trade Sonny Gray? And the guy says yes. And then you go immediately to the nearest beat writer and say, we've had conversations about Sonny Gray. The Reds aren't even going to do that. They're right. not even going to they're not even going to go down that road. I wonder and this offseason is something that you and I have earmarked for to be, it should be busy because the Reds have next to no money. Obviously, Hunter Green now will be on the books, but Hunter Green is basically it as to who will be on the books this offseason. They should have money to spend. And with as good as they've been this season and with as good as they expect to be next season, I wonder what kind of moves they're going to make because I feel like you can just about book the everyday eight. You can just about book book the starting rotation and you could just about book the bullpen. I mean, you could, you could go get a a strong bullpen arm to add to the depth of this bullpen, but I don't necessarily think that the reds need to go out and make a big splash signing on, on one player. Maybe they sign multiple people throughout the off season and maybe they make a trade here or there to solidify some other stuff. But overall, I don't think they're going to be as active in free agency as I thought they were going to be. No, uh, this season has definitely changed some of that conversation, Jeff. I think for me, I do want them to go out and get a pricey relief pitcher, somebody that I, I really feel like what I'm learning from watching what's happening right now with Alexis Diaz and and nothing, and nothing against Alexis Diaz, but you can only ask a guy to do so much, right? I really think I really think the bullpen should be structured moving forward after this offseason where you have two closers. Yeah, you know what I mean? So that, you know, basically you've got a guy available every other day and you don't have to ask your, your stud to pitch 
two days in a row, three days in a row, you can alternate and not have a drop off. Now, is that a luxury? Yes. And a, is there a reason teams don't generally do it? Yes. Because one, you to they don't have one goal. Yeah. <laughs> right. To be in that role, you got to have that attitude of where I want the ball when the game's on the line. So you've got to manage that ego. And then also it's about a money thing, right? But the Reds find themselves in this situation where all of the talent is playing on rookie deals. So yep. they do have the luxury of going out and spending some money on closer 1B that can go every other day. So I would like to see them do that. Uh, beyond that, you're right. The starting rotation probably has taken care of itself already. Most of the bullpen is taking care of itself. Maybe you go get one other guy for depth, maybe a, a solid left-hander to, to fill out that bullpen. Yeah. Uh, but, but that, the, then that leaves you money for deadline deals that leaves you money for an upgrade somewhere along the way. If there's an injury, if there's a problem that develops throughout 2024. So, uh, yeah, the narrative's changed of, of how this off season will look Jeff, because, uh, we're going to probably be talking about the defending National League Central champion this offseason while we're looking at what moves Nick Crawl is going to make. And it's kind of interesting. You mentioned like going out and getting a lefty. Alex Young has had a very good season, but the one thing he's not very good at is throwing to lefties. Like the Reds don't have that lefty on lefty advantage that you would think because he actually has, I think, like a 350 on base against him from left-handed hitters. So there's there's something weird going on there and and maybe Alex Young can be your second left-hander and you bring in a high price lefty. Uh but I I I'm interested to see how the Reds do this offseason cuz they should be busy, but it may not be as busy as I initially thought they were going to be. Let's talk about this for a second, Jeff, and we've avoided it and it's it's time we start wading in these waters a little bit. Carlton Van Hoy asks or states, Votto takes a team-friendly deal as his guess. Uh, no way to pick up that option. Well, I know through friends within the organization that they've already told Joey Votto that they're not picking up his option. That's not going to happen. Uh, does that mean he won't be on the team? No. But they have already said they're not, they're not under any circumstances paying what that option calls for. So that means I think they're on the hook for $8 million to buy him out. Is that right? Somewhere yes. in that neighborhood. $8 million already going to Votto. Does that, does that free up room for there to be a conversation about having Joey around? It does. I don't know how he fits. I don't know where he fits right. as more and more of the young players become ready for the major leagues with you know, you have to think that CES will already have been up here and will be cemented in the lineup. You have to think that Noel V. Marte will be close to coming to the roster. I think it becomes less about an issue of can Joey contribute and becomes more of an issue of do they really have room on the 26-man roster for a 40-year-old first baseman slash DH? I don't know that they will have, and that makes me sad because I know that uh, Joey seems to want to play next year. And Joey wants to be in Cincinnati for his career. So I, I'm struggling to balance that, Jeff. I mean, you you know, you and I are probably some of the biggest Joey Votto fans that are around, but it's gonna be it's gonna be hard for me to see him play for somebody else. But I really think that might be the direction we're going if Joey truly wants to play in 2024. I think I, I, I when it comes to Joey Votto, it's so tough because you know. Predicting him to retire seems disingenuous. I don't want to predict him to retire. And predicting him to play anywhere else is painful. I think what they could do is they package that $8 million buyout with maybe like a 
another $8 million or something like that to play one more year. And he's a right-handed pitching machine in the DH spot. Um, first base is going to be CES and it deserves to be CES. He can play very well there. He can hit very well there. He can field very well there. I think you, you're, you're talking about a situation where this team doesn't need him defensively, but could use his bat and could use his, his acumen in the clubhouse. And maybe he becomes, and I know this seems like a little far-fetched, but maybe he kind of becomes like a player-slash-hitting coach, <laughs> like player-slash-assistant-hitting coach some somewhere there, because I think he already sort of is. I think he's already lent his expertise to some guys on the roster and how to have a good eye at the plate, how to recognize pitches and things like that. I think there is a role for him. The thing of it is, is he going to accept that role? The other part of this equation is how much does Joey value himself at this point in his career? He has always said throughout his career he wants to finish as a Cincinnati Red. He has no desire to wear any other uniform. He has no desire to play for anyone else. Every time someone asks him, would you like to go somewhere and compete for a championship? He says, I want to compete for a championship here. This is where I'm competing for a championship. And until I'm done playing, this is where I'm going to play. And... I wonder if you come to him and say, you know, this is our plan for you. And, and this is why, because defensively he's not as good as Spencer steer or CES. And I think that against left-handed pitching, he's not as good unless it's Austin Gomber. He absolutely kills him. <laughs> uh, but against left-handed pitching, he's not as good as some of the guys on this lineup. So I think if you could create a role for him, that would be it. But I don't, I wonder what his response to that would be. So there's there's so much that goes into that, and that's going to be a very interesting and dramatic part of this offseason because I don't, I don't necessarily think he's going to announce at any point this year that this is going to be his last season, and he may, in fact, be playing for another year. I support everything you just said. I, I wouldn't listen. If they did what you just said, if they ran with that plan, I would not lose my mind. You would not find me on the show being like, I can't believe Nick Crawl is doing the following. That being said, though, it shouldn't be done at the expense of one of the guys if they're ready. So I'm not in support of keeping Joey around an extra year if it means now no LV Marte can't be promoted. I'm not for keeping Joey Votto around if it's going to in any way, shape or form limit the playing time of Christian Encarnacion strand. If he has demonstrated himself to be ready to hit major league pitching, which I think he is. So could it happen? It could happen. Would I be okay with it? I would be with that caveat that it doesn't take playing time away from others. So, you know, we lose Kevin Newman. We add Noel V Marte. I'm okay with that. That could be a move. So it, it will be interesting, Jeff, but I, I think it's far more likely that he's not here than that. He is. I agreed with that. And I tell you what, Steve, before we get out of here, um, the last question that I'm going to pick is actually a question from me. A question from me to you. When it comes to the rest of this season, and I mean from now until whenever the Reds are done playing in 2023, not the future, not, not seasons to come, who is going to be the best player for this team? Oh, my God. God, um, you know, as bad as I want it to be Ellie de la Cruz and I really do want it to be Ellie de la Cruz, 
it's going to be Matt McClain. He has just been so great. He he just shows no sign of falling off or letting up or I I mean you know I I thought for sure he'd be playing second base every day by now and Ellie would have come up and seized shortstop and done all no uh, Matt McLean has done every single thing that he looked me in the eyes a year ago playing in Double A Chattanooga and said he was going to do he's done every one of those things he has not disappointed in one little bit not in any way shape or form and i don't see any sign that he's going to slow down i think he's going to be an all-star i think he's going to make the all-star team i know you saw the update from the reds a day or so ago that he was about a hundred thousand votes down and i know that reds country rallied uh and if he doesn't get voted in he's going to get selected he's going to be an all-star this year i i think so too and I think it's between him and and Ellie. Ellie just he's so different. There's something about him. He never just hits a single. It is either a single that should have been an out or a double that should have been a single. He just doesn't seem to have and and, and they turned a double play on him in the fi- in the finale against the Rockies and I said the Rockies just got super lucky because that's the only way you can turn a double play against him is if he hits a ball right at you, maybe on a one hopper and you're standing next to second base. So you can step on it and throw to first because he's just so fast and his speed changes the game so much. The rest of this season is going to be so much fun to watch with this team because this talent is here to stay at least for the next five years. And who knows how much longer past that because I believe part of this plan is figuring out who they can keep and figuring out who's going to be here for a longer term than just those five years. But I know this, this 11 game win streak, it's only the beginning. And while the end streak is going to end at some point, we are going to see a team that wins more often than they lose. And that is saying something because for the last 30 years, 30 plus years, really, there's been few and far between, and they haven't, those years haven't seemed to be building on each other. This is the beginning of something that is going to continue to build for years and years to come. This is why Nick Cross said he was getting rid of the, the peaks and valleys. And as much as we hammered him for that quote, the point is he's building something that's going to consistently be going up and up and up going to consistently improve year in and year out. And that is only just starting from right here. And that is probably the positive place to go ahead and wrap it up for today. Uh, everybody, we will be back in your podcast feeds at uh, with our regular Friday show uh, in the morning. So make sure you are looking for that. Jeff and I will dig into this uh, Atlanta Braves series that gets underway yeah. tomorrow night. And don't forget, you can catch every pitch of the Reds hometown broadcast with that opening Friday night game, which by the way is nearly a sellout at GABP. It is going to be electric, uh, but you can catch every pitch of that with Sirius XM on the SXM app. Just download the app and search the word Reds. Thanks as always for making us your first listen every day, every dayers. So happy to have seen you here in the comments section and, and asking us questions and all that stuff. We appreciate you so much for being part of the live episode because Steve and I, will be locked on reds every single day that comment section was fire i couldn't keep up with it it was so fast it's just like what hey prime members you can listen to this locked on podcast ad free on amazon music download the amazon music app today